In this episode of the Little Red Barn Podcast, once again, we're going to start off with corrections and additions to last week's podcast. Why do we always have so many corrections off the bat? This is going to be this is going to be the stage where we talk about corrections. Okay, and we didn't have any last week, so well, that's even better. That's what my question is. You're jumping the gum. You're jumping the gun. Additions and corrections. We have zero. Uh, We're also going to be talking again our weekly. Weather and market chat here. Talk about different things. What did you miss at the coffee shop this week? Of course, that's in this episode. And the big topic of discussion this time around, land values and crop budgets. We're going to dive right in. I mean, why not? Episode number three, dive into why land is so expensive and what that does to agriculture and our crop budgets. Uh, With me, as always, I'm Ryan Martin. Your host of the Little Red Barn and Coyote, Chris Underwood, across the desk from me again today in the Little Red Barn studios. We have walls this time. We have walls. We have walls. We actually have a studio. Yep. It looks good, though. Yep. It's, it's come along nice. Yep. I like where the green wall is going to be. The Exactly. I, I like it. It's, it's coming around very nice. It's it's a beautiful day today before the heat returns and yep. and uh, thoroughly enjoying a Thursday here in the Little Red Barn. Yep. No, this is actually a big red barn. This is a big red barn. The studio is a little studio in yes. the big, big red, red barn. barn. Little Red Barn, Big Red Barn. Either way, the barn is red. Uh, but we thank you for joining us here today for, again, an, another round of conversation about agriculture, what's going on, why you should care, and uh, kind of introducing you to different concepts here. So we want to start again with the corrections and additions to last month's pod- or last week's podcast. Uh, there are none. We said nothing wrong last week. That, that has not happened very often in our lives. I will say that. Well, it is not very often that you and I can sit back and go, we were not wrong at all. No. Well, actually, I can say that right. all the time. And I do say that. But it doesn't mean you're correct. That is, And you're uh, not lying. Yes, yes, there you go. So, but yeah. And, and I will say no corrections that we know of. Nothing glaring that anybody pointed out and said, you know what? You guys are idiots. Well, at least one of us. Yeah, one of us. <laughs> <laughs> So, quick segment there, but uh, again, you will bring, we will bring to you every time, anytime we've misstepped along the way, and, and we want full transparency here in what we talk about in the Little Red Barn. So, we'll shift forward to the weekly weather and market chat here. Not a lot going on in the past week in the marketplace. Honestly, there's probably more chatter about weather over the course of the past week, and as we uh, get started with this First week of September, full full week of September, uh, weather is going to be an increasingly big part of our market chat because, uh, Chris, when's the last time you got rain? It um, it has been a bit. I think about three or four days ago we had sprinkles mm-hmm. from one cloud, mm-hmm. and that was it. We've had nothing. Yeah, it's been so very dry. Tuesday, that's Tuesday the 29th, I think, that was there was a little boundary that tried to come through i think i saw you know parts of elkhart county northern kosciuszko county picked up a little bit you got sprinkles honestly the house that we live in got basically nothing but the farm here about seven miles to the south west southeast picked up a good half an inch wow so you know there was much moisture around too. yeah much needed that's going to get some areas through, but there was a lot that missed. And so now we're counting down here. We're going to string together, I believe, a good seven days of no precipitation. Actually, nine days of no precipitation because our next weather system, in my opinion, comes in Thursday. 
this week. And we probably pick up oh, a tenth to a half an inch there. But then we're back to dryness again. Uh, so well, I think the, the worst part about the dryness is the heat that's rolling in as well. Right. So you're going to be dry, but you've got a massive amount of heat coming in by Sunday and Monday. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride, honestly. Uh, temperatures last Thursday morning uh, registered in the upper 40s in some spots around the area here. Well, we sat out the other night watching the Smurf Blue Moon. <laughs> and I'll be honest, we had to put sweatshirts on. Right. It was about 46, 47 degrees. We just sat outside staring at the moon because... That's where our lives are. That's at what this you point. do. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it was kind of chilly. It's I I told my son it's August. We should not have to sit out here with jackets or sweatshirts at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, we were. But the warm up is coming. Yeah, temperatures will be above normal here from the Labor Day holiday. I think through this first full week, and honestly, my projection for the entire month of month of September is above normal. And when I say my projection, have I ever brought up? I mean, why is it my projection? Uh, I am a meteorologist. I suppose I should tell people that we do actually do Valid. some weather. Do do yeah. some weather. Stuff, You're my so weather guy. I'm Everybody always asks, "How do you know this?" I go, "I got a weather guy." Yeah. Legit. That's my. Say. I got a weather guy. Yeah. You got a what? I go, "I got a weather guy." Yep. So yeah, I think that we're looking at warmth through a large chunk of September. So what does that mean for crops? You know, I'm again, we're looking out the Little Red Barn Studios door right now. Crops green everywhere. Um, I'm hearing a few fields starting to turn to the southwest. You get south, well, into the Walton, Indiana area. I know of a farmer there that thinks he's going to be cutting 7th or 8th of September on soybeans. Uh, Another one down in the Caston area is going to be relatively close. And there are a few fields uh, up here close that are going to be probably harvested there in September. But uh, everywhere else, very green still. But does the heat and the lack of rain possibly make that decision or push it up a bit in a couple of weeks? It could. It could, especially the dryness. Not necessarily the heat so much, because remember, when we talked on the last podcast, we were talking about heat, but as long as there was the humidity that we saw, we didn't like it as human beings, but the crop actually kind of loved it. I, I think this time around, if the air is drier, you're going to start to suck more moisture even out of that plant, not necessarily just the ground. So it it may it may hasten some turning here. I don't think that that's what anybody wants. As a matter of fact, I got a comment on one of my weather forecasts over into Ohio. A guy uh, commented on the on the blog post and he said, "Quick dry down of corn and beans is not what we need." Valid, all right, <laughs> valid. But that's where we are here this week. So I, I think the heat is going to be a story. I think the dryness is a story, especially if we end up normal precipitation in the month of September. Let's call it three and three quarters, 3.8 inches of rain. If we only end up with an inch, inch and a half for the month, that's saying something. That's going to hustle, I think, harvest along just a little bit. Push things up into October, early October, as opposed to, to middle, late October, at least. And I think the market's trying to come around on this, too, because what we have seen in the market over the course of the past week, not much on the future side. You know, that's what you hear us talking about on the radio all the time. Market report, corn, 405 and three quarters. That's price, dollars and cents per bushel with a fraction thrown in there. But those numbers have been choppy, but not really given us much this week. I think the way the market is resigning itself to maybe us getting closer to harvest is look at how basis levels continue to drop. Saw another decent drop of about 10, 15, 20 cents here over the course of the past week on bushels that were needed by a certain time, mid-September. Uh, the door is basically shutting on that. A lot of places don't need old beans anymore. 
Uh, they're looking forward to the new beans that are coming in. They know where they're coming, and they're going to come cheaper. So I think the weather thing, like you said, bumping it up into late September, October, I think that the market's there because of the prices that we're seeing. So anyway, uh, anything else that you kind of ran across this week because you've been out and about? No, I, I tell you, I think uh, at least in the area that I live in, which is east of North Webster, Indiana, right? Um, the beans and the corn look spectacular. There were a couple of fields that bean-wise – May have been a bit iffy a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. They, they've shot up. They're looking very healthy. Mm-hmm. They're looking good. And, um, yeah, I think things look much better now than they even did a few weeks ago. It's interesting. When we talk about harvest, talk about this time of year, um, there's always that one guy that wants to be first. Right. Now, if you, and you, if you guys think about it as you're listening, um, you know the person in your area that has to be that guy. So I can tell you right now that there were some beans just close to where I'm at here that were recently sprayed off. Really? Sprayed. You know, when I say sprayed off, this guy wants to harvest sooner. He wants to be first. Uh, and he's found over the course of experimenting the past few years, he doesn't think that he loses yield at all by going ahead and chemically uh, terminating these soybeans so that he can harvest here in early September. Uh, but every area has that one guy <laughs> that wants to be first. And this year, I think that um, I think there's going to be several folks that try and get first, but I haven't seen a whole lot of people outside of this guy that I'm talking about actually chemically terminate any beans this year. The, the economics if, don't make sense. But if his experience is he doesn't see a difference with that, mm-hmm. maybe that experience translates into somebody else with that same mindset. If he If he's not thinking that he's – He's picking up additional profit, and he's comfortable with that. Maybe that becomes the mindset for more people. Well, how was he? How will he pick up? Let's let's play with this a little bit. How would he pick up additional profit? What's he have to get? More beans. Not necessarily more beans. I've already said he doesn't have any kind of yield difference, so he's right. going to make the same whether he lets them go or not. So, what does he need if he's going to make more profit? True. He needs more money. So a lot of folks that are uh, have been experimenting with chemically terminating beans early, they're looking for that early harvest push out of the bean processor. You don't see this in corn. No, nobody early terminates corn because of moisture issues, right. getting those kernels to dry down. But beans, uh, trying to get that early harvest premium. And this is going to be an interesting year because I'm not sure much of an early harvest premium is going to exist out there in the marketplace. So... Uh, it, it's interesting. Everybody, though, it, it's two, twofold. More money, but also the bragging rights. I was the first load of beans that I that was brought into. But do you get a trophy when you're the first? Not what, not what in comes, this game. The bragging rights, what comes with the bragging rights? Is that a free cup of coffee oh, at, at, at the breakfast? Uh, well, that's what I was going to say. goes down to the last segment that we always talk through here. What did you miss at the coffee shop? It's bragging rights at the coffee right. shop. Right. Bragging rights at the coffee shop. And, you know, it's interesting because what that does is, it kickstarts. If you get into the mind of a farmer, and, and I've lived this, you know, um, everybody else starts harvesting. And when I say everybody else, it's the bunny ears. Everybody else right. starts harvesting, and you feel like, I, I'm, I'm not out there yet. I'm not out there yet. Oh, man, this was a beautiful day. I missed this day. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And, and you feel peer pressure. You know, we talk about the you know, to kids all the time. You don't, you know, just because everybody else does it. You don't, you know, doesn't mean you need to. Well, I've noticed that with fields around oh, yeah. us. There'll be every field is clear, harvested, but there'll be a few fields around us that, you know, you're into November now, mm-hmm. second, mm-hmm. maybe third week in November, and all of a sudden you see the lights rolling around the fields by the house. They're the, they seem to always be 
the last, and this is corn, mm-hmm. but they always seem to be the last field around that that harvests the corn. And I always thought that was intrigued by that, why they always chose to do it later rather than what a lot of the farmers are out. You know, depending on how late it is. I mean, once you get into late November and December, so back in 2021, I was harvesting corn still in December. Not my choice. Right. <laughs> not, not my first choice. Uh, I had to finish in December because of equipment breakdowns. Now, that was the year I had to actually change a drive pulley in the field. Good times. Yeah, that was, yeah, good times. So a lot of times when you're really super late, it's because you know, something didn't go right. so well. But, you know, earlier on in the season, it's not necessarily that. It's just, are your crops ready? Are you willing to dry corn? Are you willing to dry beans? Can you get across? Do you, is it now go, 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 go or not? Are you farming full-time or part-time? I, I know a guy that's uh, north of Fort Wayne that laments about the fact a lot of times that you know, he's not able to be out there. And, you know, most of my neighbors are done and I'm not yet. Well, the dude has a large farming operation alongside a full um, very important career that he's doing elsewhere as well. Well, when you're stacking hours upon hours, so, sometimes you just don't get as fast. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. So, so yeah, it's interesting. But bragging rights on this one, and we'll talk about late harvest and and how that happens to hurt people uh, in another episode. But you know, I've been there. I'm usually on the later side of things here at Blue Bottle Farms. I usually am, I am aware of that. I'm, I'm on the. Later I am side. completely aware of that. Uh, I was one of the last people. No, I wasn't one of the last. I was late on my wheat harvest this year. You you were pretty late. I was late. You were pretty late. But um, but I also am late planting a lot of times too because of the ground I farm. Yeah, my ground is uh, tending to be wetter at times, and so that means I have to wait. When does the buckwheat come? The buckwheat. Uh, did you notice it's flowering? I, I saw that. Yeah. So, so what is what is a harvest time for buckwheat? We're targeting uh, probably mid to late October for buckwheat. As long as the temperatures stay, as long as we don't see a frost, that stuff will continue to grow. Nice. So we're going to target that for mid to late October. So, all right. Well, good talk on that. Let's move forward here. The big thing that we wanted to bring up today, land values and crop budgets. Uh, and this is going to be something that I want to talk about because it's a big part of agriculture, but also a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. And, and the reason why this discussion has come top of my mind right now is due to the fact that just up the road, about seven, eight miles or so, just came on the market here within the last, oh, I'm going to say week and a half, two weeks, 247 contiguous acres listed for sale. Uh, Some of it's tillable, not all of it's tillable. Not all the ground is tillable. Some of it is in woodland, but it's come on the market. I know the family that's listing it, and I know the reasons why it's being listed. All right. $3.7 $3.7 million. I did not get out the checkbook yet. Yet. Because, you know, it won't happen. Yet. No, no, it won't happen. <laughs> but $3.7 million, which if you do the math, and just do the straight math, dividing it out, 247 point whatever it is, acres, it comes in at just under $15,000 an acre. That's which, quite a bit up. Well, it's, it is, but yet it's not. Other land auctions earlier this year in the county, northern part of the county, southern Elkhart County, land went for 18 to, I think, 21. But this goes back into uh, a demand as well. The demand for land right now is higher than it's ever been. You know, we were talking about golf earlier. All right. And I coach high school girls golf, and it's becoming incredibly hard for high school teams to find courses to play on because more and more golf courses 
are shutting down. Well, the vast majority of those golf courses that have shut down are becoming crop fields. Farmers are buying those. They're not buying them for the golf course. People are not buying them to put subdivisions up. They're buying them for crops and for farming. And more and more times you're finding that those old golf courses, when you drive by them, there's corn. You know, there's one down in Huntington for Zanda Golf Course. It's probably been closed easily, maybe 10 years now. So many people wanted to buy that and offered money because they wanted to own it as a golf course. And a farmer came in and said, that land's worth more as a field than it is a golf course. And he bought it and it's farm now. It's all farm field. So the I think the demand for more property and more field is is definitely there. And that's driving the prices up. See, this is why we have you on the podcast, because that goes absolutely 100 degrees, 180 degrees in the opposite direction with where I was going to go. Because that is very interesting to me that a farmer was able to outbid a developer on that piece of land. Now, I think the key is you said not developer golf course. Somebody wanted to own the golf course, right? They wanted to keep the nine. It's a nine hole course. So we're not talking a large 18 hole, but they wanted to keep it. and, and, And that land was more valuable for farming than it was to remain open as a nine hole golf course in its field now. Yep. But you're finding that more and more often there are more clo- courses closing now and they're becoming fields. Farmers are buying them. Developers are not putting houses on them, mm-hmm. but I just think because of that, you're, you're driving up the property value and how often as a farmer, do you have the opportunity to buy more land close to you? It's yeah. it's, that's not something that just pops up every year. Well, and that's, that's the key to these land prices on the farmer side, the auction up the road uh, earlier this year, that prices went up, you know, that's the, that's the mindset that agriculture takes a lot of times when it comes to buying land. How, what, when in my lifetime, am I going to have an opportunity to buy this piece of ground again? Right. And the answer nine times out of 10 is never, you're never going to have that opportunity again. And so that's, what's driving prices up. Uh, I'm thrilled, honestly. I know you. I know you love golf. I know you play golf. I don't. I suck at golf. There's a reason why the clubs have stayed in the shed for the last 22 years. Nobody needs to see that. Uh, so I'm thrilled if a golf course closes and that goes back into agricultural production because that doesn't seem to be the norm on a lot of things. Uh, but in this case here, up the road, $3.7 million. The one thing that really started chapping my butt here, and I noticed on the on the on the, the sign where it was listed, 247 acres and right in big letters underneath, development potential. Well, there, there's what's driving the price development up. Development potential. That's driving the price up because yeah. the mindset is, okay, this doesn't have to be yep. for farming. This Which, could be for subdivisions. And when you look at the way towns and communities are growing, mm-hmm. everybody loves that new subdivision, that mm-hmm. new subdivision smell. So if you got the potential to get your hands on a property, that's a lot of homes over 247 yeah. acres, and you can use the wooded area for homes. Yeah. You can't for farming. Right. So even the t- non-tillable areas, housing, you can see the dollar signs in there if you are a developer. Yeah. Yep. Well, and you're making my you're making my case for me. You're making my case. I I don't want to see agriculture lose any more land tillable acres. It it breaks my heart to see urban sprawl gobbling up. 10 acres at a time here, 20 acres at a time here. And then I have we have a realtor come in and, and put on 247 acres development potential. And here's what makes it even more difficult. This is where we're going to kind of translate into crop budgets a little bit. I did the math. I did the math. 
So three point seven million dollars on on let's just let let's play it this way on a thirty year note, thirty year mortgage. Okay, which and everybody listening saying thirty year note in agriculture on farmland. Hey, I I know a guy. I can get you thirty year. I can get you in touch with somebody who can write a, guy. a thirty year note. He's got a guy. I got a guy on 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 farmland. So thirty year mortgage is possible. That's probably the most cash flow efficient kind of model. Thirty year fixed. So even if you did that, your mortgage payment monthly on your three point seven million, uh, twenty eight thousand dollars a month. Wow. Added up over the course of twelve months, I came up with a figure of about three hundred forty three hundred forty five thousand dollars a year. And I just said, all right, for giggles, what kind of soybean crop would I need to raise to pay $343,000 a year? And I came up with, at $13.50 beans, that was 106 bushel to the acre. Wow. <laughs> that, that, that No one does yeah, that. exactly. Um, now, if you go, and that was at 8.5% interest. Go back two years ago, three years ago. When interest rates were 5%, okay, that still was 76 bullshit to the acre soybeans, which is doable, except for the fact that I didn't put anything into my balance sheet there to calculate that price of what it cost to put that crop out. The cost of seed, the cost of chemistry, the cost of fuel, the cost of all of that. And I still needed to make 76 bushel to the acre to pay this mortgage payments per year on this field, on these sets of fields with the crop given to me. But you go back to the $3.7 million. Mm-hmm. There's probably a negative 5% chance that somebody's going to buy all that property for development. But the fact it's on the sign, the realtor mm-hmm. doing a little marketing with mm-hmm. that there oh, yeah. to try to push that price up. And that's that, the only reason that yeah. would be on there. And the thing is, so I'm going to sit here and say that I understand that's what he's doing. And if I was a realtor, I would probably try and do the same thing as a farmer who doesn't right. want to see any more land go away. I'm sitting here and going... That little so now now make a prediction. At some point, that land sells. What do you think that land actually will sell for at some point? Well, that and therein lies the problem because fifteen thousand acre for the tillable is probably an okay now is probably a viable number right now. I'm just saying that it, does, it doesn't pencil, right. and it really doesn't pencil for anybody that's trying to come in and try and start something new. So, for example, I know a family down the road that dad's a farmer. Uh, he wants daughter and a son-in-law now. They, they want to get into agriculture. They want to get into farming. Okay, how do you as a mid-20-somethings couple getting started on the way, how do you pencil $3.7 million? Well, you, you don't. You're, you're starting a lot smaller. Uh, you you're, not, you're not going $3.7 million in your 20s to start a farm. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not happening. Even if you put this on a 50-year note or looked at it for an investment payback over it's a not, longer period it's not of time. Happening. And that means all this turns back into how do you get the $15,000 an acre? Well, all of a sudden, 247 one-acre lots at $15,000 an acre, uh, that's something that can actually happen. Well, it is because you can put multiple houses on an acre. Exactly. You can subdivide, not subdivide, but you can put three houses, third acre lots on one acre. So 15000 for a third of an acre. Time three, you're, the extra 30000 is gravy in the pocket. So I think that's the problem. That's the startup. That's the startup problem that we have here with land prices where they are. And I'll go even further. I got in front of me here the 2024 
Crump Budgets uh, spreadsheet from University of Illinois. This is uh, Dr. Gary Schnitke and several other guys that put in here. And I'm running down through these numbers, and we're going to look at um, central. So in terms of growing areas, we'll call them central, and we'll call high-quality high ground. So corn yields, we're talking 227 bushel of the acre, soybeans 72 bushel of the acre. All right. If you pencil in a price of 1280 on beans for 2024 and 480 on corn, which newsflash, we're trading under 480 on corn right, right now. We're we're well under 480. That gives you a gross revenue per acre of 1090 per bushel or 1090 per acre on corn and $922 an acre on beans. That's your gross revenue. Right. And then you have everything that goes into Putting this crop in the ground, fertilizer, pesticides, seed, drying, your storage, your bins that you're putting, crop insurance. Uh, You have your machinery, either owning it or leasing it or using it. Uh, Utilities, machine repair, your fuel, your oil, everything that you've got, uh, your your farm truck, uh, uh, machinery depreciation, and then your labor your buildings, your insurance on the farm, everything in here, you come into your total overhead costs and non-land costs of $808 per acre. And then when you put everything together, you put land costs with your cash rent in with the operator and land return and everything, your gross revenue minus all of that, and you end up on corn in 2024, your current crop budget, the farmer return is an eighty-one dollar to the acre loss. Wow. So, wh- where does that take you in twenty twenty-four? Is that less corn? Right now, it could if, be if because you're a farmer, you're like no corn. I'm not doing corn this year. I know you rotate the you rotate the ground, but what but what do you go to if that's what you're looking at with corn? Well, that's the thing. On soybeans at seventy-two dollars an acre and twelve eighty, you have a net farmer return on this uh, high quality ground in in the central growing areas here, forty-two dollars per acre of positive return. So if you're going to follow the University of Illinois crop budget spreadsheet, the economists would say, yeah, you better buy, you better grow beans in 2024, not corn. Well, that seems to be, that's a no brainer when you would think about it from a business standpoint, from a business standpoint, standpoint, that would be the way you would go. Yeah. Because so again, if you're, if you're going to put the business mindset on this, uh, when you start a new business, what are the main reasons you start a business? Do you want to start a business because, oh, it's fun? You know, I love working my life away and doing extra things. Or you're you're starting a business because you want to cash flow. You want to make some money. And beans right now make money next year, and corn does not. However, I do want to point out, this is economists. You know, look, can we let this off when we were talking land prices? I said, I know a guy. I can get you the 30-year fixed mortgage on. The on, guy. I know a guy. Well, a lot of times farmers know a guy. So this seed cost, if we're penciling in seed cost here of $126 an acre on corn, a lot of guys say, I know a guy. I can get it at 100 So there's a way to rework yeah, so the budget. So there's a way to re- rework the budget. But again, all of this really has a hard time penciling when you're talking about taking land costs of cash rent. Cash rent is one thing because cash rent, it's you know, $225, $300 bucks an acre, whatever, and that's for that year. A mortgage, buying additional land and having it leveraged, makes it completely different because you're not just paying us cash rent, you're having the full cost of a 30-year note that has to pencil each and every year 
and it really starts to cause some problems in agriculture. Interest rates are not helping at all. 8.5% interest versus 5% interest is adding, well, the need for another 25 to 30 bushels of the acre on soybeans every year to be able to pencil the increase in, in interest costs. As long as those interest rates stay high. Well, are they? Do you see them going down anytime no, soon? No, I do not. No, they're not. They're not. Not it, the next year or two. Yeah, it's going to be something that we really have to work for. And I've talked with enough folks that are starting to mention it's very few times you get a farmer to admit something, but I'm hearing from behind the scenes and a few guys that are willing to talk about it, uh, you know, there's a chance that some guys will burn through their operating capital in the next two to three years, five years if the rates stay high longer, but two to three years, and then all of a sudden you're going to be into the area where you have to sell some ground to be able to continue to cash flow and have operating lines going through. Uh, and this is what happened in the 80s when interest rates and inflation really took off. A lot of folks that are in agriculture right now live through the 80s, but a lot of folks that are prognosticating about agriculture have not understood. Maybe they studied the 80s in ag economics or things like that, but they haven't lived through and, and, and understood it uh, dramatically here. So I, I think there is a big reckoning coming, especially if land costs continue to move north of that 15 18 20,000 dollars an acre because dude that that does not pencil. Well, and land land costs are not going to drop. It, they're not coming down. You you may max out for a short time, but I don't foresee them dropping by by any means. There's just too much of a demand for land anywhere, and not just farming. There's a demand for land with anything, businesses, mm-hmm. not only farming, but mm-hmm. um I just don't see it dropping. I see it leveling out but not coming down. Yeah. And that's something that I know a lot of folks that are on uh, listening to this don't want to hear. Uh, I cannot disagree with you. I can sit here and hope that you're wrong as a person who wants to add some more acres himself. I, I would love to add some more acres. I hope prices come down. I really hope interest rates come down. However, you are probably spot on that, that we're going to, and honestly, folks that own land want it to be that way as well, because then the equity the value right. of the property. That they As have. an owner, you're good with that. Yeah. It's just like owning your home. Exactly. You know, you're very happy that your equity is. So, like right now, my house is skyrocketed. Right. You've seen my house at a lake. It's not big. Right. But the the equity that I have in it and the value of it is just skyrocketed over the past few years because of the word lake. Right. So, but but you're going to get with that with farming as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's all part of it. And the biggest thing that I I, I, I struggle with, and I go back to this this property that's for sale. I don't want to see any more urban sprawl in our town. And I know that we continue to hear over and over and over in our area, as with other parts of the country, lack of housing, lack of housing. We need more housing, this, that, and the other. I do not want to see tillable ground turned into one-third to half-acre lots and have houses put on it. It's not good for agriculture. It's not good for your grocery bill. <laughs> but at the same time, in, in where we're at here mm-hmm. in, in Kosciuszko County, the growth, to be honest, is more north, yes, not and no. so much south. Yeah, yes and no. I think, you know, you find a developer that wants to get that. And again, that's what pencils, that's what pencils for the payment right now. It's not ag land. Right. It, it's developed. And you get that. I can see that entire area, that 247 acres, just peppered with houses. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see it. It is what it What's is. happening to, it's happened way too often. Oh, it does. I mean, you go to the north side of Huntington, Indiana, you go north side of Huntington, all that area north 
of where I'll say where the Kmart used to be. Right. That was all fields. Now it's houses. Yep. I mean, it's it's houses for another good three quarters of a mile, if not more. Well, Subdivisions and former farmland. Even on the other side, where the where the new Walmart, we say new, it's been there for quite a while now, but the, the Walmart area and all that shop, that used to be large, large yeah. scale fields. And it's yep. filled into. So, yeah, it's happening. I don't. That doesn't mean I like it. And a lot of the folks that are listening aren't going to like it. But the numbers, and especially with these crop budgets, you know, I sat in the office with a farm accountant the other day, not mine, but a different one, and he said anything under uh, with a four in front of it on corn doesn't pencil. And I kind of chuckled a little bit. I'm like, I didn't think he, he was wrong, but I'm like, mm, that's interesting. I see the budget here, 480 corn, negative uh, $81 an acre. So he nailed it. He nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. So. All right. Well, if you have any questions, comments, gripes, look, there's a lot of gripes when it comes to land use and <laughs> land development, land prices. Uh, feel free to share those here. Comment uh, as you subscribe and do all the clicky things as you do with podcasts and things like that. Let us know what you think. I'm sure that we're going to be talking about this, this uh, some more. These crop budgets will come up, I think, multiple times as we kind of transition into next crop year and we start planting and see what things change. I want to finish with, you know, the coffee shop talk. What did you miss at the coffee shop this week? I think a lot of folks missed some things at the coffee shop this week because big, big, big goings on this past week, the Farm Progress Show. You ever been to the Farm Progress Show, Chris? I have not. It's a huge (laughs) deal. Huge deal. Farm Progress Show. It used to bounce between three states. It used to be Indiana, Illinois, and Iowa. Now it kind of just bounces back between Illinois and Iowa. This year was in Decatur, Illinois. So I know a lot of guys from this area have been there uh, this past week. Seeing everything that goes on, beautiful weather for it. Dude, this is probably one of the best farm show sets of weather days that they've had in a while. Uh, One of the things that was being talked about quite a bit at this year's Farm Progress Show, Chris, are you familiar with the old Big Bud tractor? No, I am not. Oh. At all. Big Bud is a legend. In the agriculture fields. You More know. than the farm all? Oh, My yeah. farm all? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. No, no. Big Bud is a legend because Big Bud is an absolutely huge tractor. You know, the farther west you go, when you work on some of these farms in Montana, with, you know, 20,000 acres and 10,000 of them are in one field, you know, right. you, you see that they use massive equipment. And that goes up into the Canadian prairies, too. When I visited um, uh, an area in Yorkton, Saskatchewan a few years back, Drove around to some farms, took a look. Everybody had uh, massive tractors with triples. No, not just duels, but triples. triples. Um, and the Big Bud, the Big Bud tractors, massive tractors produced back in the 70s and I believe into the 80s. Just huge. And the one, the Big Bud 747 is the one that you see all the time. Um, huge footprint, lots of horsepower. Well, Big Buds are back. They're making new a new Big Bud, and it was at the Farm Progress Show, 700-horsepower tractor, and it's just absolutely oh. huge. The farmers are standing in front of this thing, and their heads don't even come up to the bottom of the radiator pan. But what is the cost on this? It, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But just to see this, it's one of the big talking points of the Farm Progress Show. I've seen multiple things. So if you missed out at the coffee shop, I hope you were at the Farm Progress Show checking out the Big Bud. I know that one will not be making an appearance here soon uh, at Blue Bottle Farms, but one can always dream. I could probably cover my acreage in about, what, uh, (laughs) six passes with the Big Bud. Oh, Um, to dream. Yeah, so... 
Farm Progress show was going on through the entire week. Lots to see and do there. We have a couple of other upcoming shows here in the area, so if you miss out at the coffee shop here in the weeks to come, could be because you're headed to the Farm Science Review over in London, Ohio. I've heard that one mentioned, and uh, we're already talking about uh, getting into harvest in mid-September as well. So uh, you and I, Chris, are probably going to be in the cap of a combine driving around with a couple of guys. Bring it. I'm ready. Trying to see what's going on. I've never been in a combine. You've never never been in a combine. Well, we'll have to get you in my combine here this year, too. I'm good with that. Take a a stab at trying to harvest some things. I'm good with that. So... Other than that, we do not have much more for you here this episode. Again, land prices. Jeez, they're continuing to climb, but uh, we're going to have more discussion on this, I think, in the future. Give us your anecdotal ideas on land prices. Make sure you let us know what's going on in your neck of the woods. That will do it for this week for the Little Red Barn. We'll see you again one week from today. Podcasts drop every Monday morning prior to 6 a.m. Eastern Time. And you can get them wherever you like to download your podcasts or uh, stream your podcasts from. We appreciate your listening, subscribing, and checking it out. Until next time, he's Chris Underwood. I'm Ryan Martin, and this is The Little Red Barn.